KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City, a product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, the Outdoor Hour, giving you the inside scoop on the great outdoors, presented by Park Ridge Medical Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. As long as I can remember, I've been drawn to the outdoors. There's something primal in each of us that awakens when we step outside the bounds of modern society and back into the vast possibilities of the natural world. The more civilized our lives become, the louder our hearts cry for reconnection with our native ways. Failure is imminent, dangers drawing nigh, but approached with reverence and tact, the outdoors return wisdom and gain. In both the outdoors and in life, harvests are fleeting, but lessons and memories abound. With that in mind, we step forth boldly together in pursuit of ourselves outdoors. We are nothing more than tree stand troubadours. Welcome inside the outdoor hour. We are a hot mess this week already. Excited to have you with us for part two of what has been one of the most engaging episode series we've done yet. Uh, We have some great people in the studio this week, and we'll go ahead and just dive in because we've got a lot we want to cover. Grayson Bloom is back with us. Welcome back. He was here last week. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. (laughs) Here last week talking about his trip to uh, the ant fishing. Josh Stratton back in studio with us this week. Welcome home. Yeah. Yeah, well, I forgot what this place looks like. Yeah, we kind of forgot what you looked like. I know. It it was nice. It was nice. I (laughs) believe that. Yeah. Last six weeks have been a blur, but I want to get an update from you shortly here. Todd Lisenby with us as well. Welcome, sir. Thank you, thank you. Always good to be here. And I'm Taylor Maples. You're listening to the Outdoor Hour presented by Park Ridge Medical. So I got to tell you, before we jump in here, Grayson, I was walking down the hallway here at Tyler Media yesterday, and Kelly Gregg jumped in front of me, which if you've ever seen Kelly Gregg in the flesh, it is a scary thing to have him jump out of the hallway in front of you. Um, and he said, hey, man. As my phone rings here, we have to... Yeah, amateur hour. (laughs) (laughs) Acknowledge that a little bit. Oh, I better do something here, too. Yeah, you know, (laughs) we're just going to let that go. Um, So Kelly Gregg jumps out in front of me and says, Hey, man, I enjoyed the show last week. Fly fish in the Amazon, that's that's one of my uh, dreams for sure. I would love to do this. That is awesome. And I said, Kelly, do you fly fish? And he said, No, I never have. I love (laughs) catching bass, though. And I said... I know some guys you got to meet then. Yeah. And he's been at the shop. Yeah. Remember we yeah. did that remote? He did like the opening week. Yeah, there, the the kickoff party of the opening the shop. Come on, dude. I do think yeah. there is something to Like I grew up bass fishing too, and I think a lot of people don't realize how big fly fishing is or can be around here and how, not only that, but how many different species of fish you can fish for fly fishing, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that they should be bass fishing with a fly rod. Right. Yeah. More right. importantly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. I mean, there's, it's so much fun. I mean, and even when I was a conventional angler, I was always fascinated by the fly rod. I was like, man, that just looks really neat. That just looks really neat. It and is. Boom. It is. I'm gonna do it. And then boom, he grew in. up. Yep. He became a man. <laughs> yep. He got a fly rod. Picked one you know? up and can't put it down. <laughs> well, Kelly, Greg, thanks for listening to the Outdoor Hour. We love you. We got to get you on the show. Got to get a fly rod in your hand. Uh, yeah, appreciate the support there. He probably that man. He probably needs like a ten weight though. <laughs> Is this a big dude? Oh yeah, I don't think I know this. Super guy. Bowl champion, 
what, 12-year NFL career? Okay. Yeah, 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 bro. This is a big yeah. State yeah. champion yeah. wrestler. State yeah. champion wrestler. Yeah. We're yeah. just going to start him on a 12-way. <laughs> <laughs> he needs a blackout for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, smallest rod for him, and it'll look like a toothpick. We the, only, no way, the only thing with Kelly, and I hope he's listening, is you can't put him in very deep of water because he's only about 5'2". <laughs> <laughs> and he's a dense man. Um, I'm, I don't think he would be great at floating. But, hey, hip waders... Wear them as chest waiters. That's you know? right. That's, there you go. <laughs> we have youth sizes at the shop, so. Ah, th- that might not do the deal. I don't know. Well, guys, thanks for being with us again this week. We had a lot of fun last week talking with Grayson about his trip to the Amazon. What an experience it was. We got a quick update last week as well from Josh Stratton, who was out in Salt Lake City doing some Mule Deer Foundation stuff. Tell us about how the show went. Man, it was a wild show. We uh, had hit an attendance record, the largest uh, attendance record in 17 years. We had uh, the largest amount of uh, fundraising dollars for conservation that we've ever done. Don't know the total yet, but I know we did more than last year, and last year was $9.7 million. So, wow. Um, we had... Uh, Congratulations. Highest, yeah, it, it was unbelievable. Um it was great to see, you know, our banquets. I think our smallest banquet ended up being like 1,100 people, um, and we did three consecutive. So we do a banquet on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. And, uh, man, yeah, we had, I think 1,500 was our largest. So seeing 15, you know, 1,000 to 1,500 people in the room every night opening their wallets, making that sacrifice, and, supporting conservation is is pretty empowering and exciting to to see and you know you you got some big money in there it, things got a little crazy this year um i loved getting to see even just following along on social media uh, and you guys did a great job with that but some of the brands that were represented even some of the social media accounts that i follow to get to see there in the flesh was really neat um the thing i want to learn more about is this is it an Arizona mule deer tag that gets yeah, it's auctioned a, it's off? It's the statewide tag. Yeah, there's only two of them in, in that exist, and and one is a lottery, and then one is given uh, to the expo. And you know, for years, people have been misinformed about how that works. So all of the conservation tags that we have, and governor's tags, and all of that, all of that money goes directly back to the state that it was tied to. So we're just the platform that raises the money for conservation. Uh, for all intents and purposes, we're, we're a pass-through. Like, And we pass all of our audits with flying colors and, and just wrapped up another one. And um, with some of them, there is a, a handling fee you know, for executive costs of us managing the event and so on and so forth. But um, the Arizona tag, all, all 100% of that, of the funds raised, go directly back to conservation and then go directly – a good majority of it goes into a fund that then is sent back out to conservation organizations to come in and do work on the ground in Arizona. And so, you know, there are some people who get frustrated that that's going on, but there is not another event in the country that raises money the way that we do um, and can prove to you that it goes directly to conservation. And so to the you know, Antelope Island, Utah tag went Friday night. And last year that tag was, uh, went for $310,000. And this year it went for 500. Wow. And, uh, the owner of Jimmy John's bought that one. Um, 
he he uh believe it or not is a pretty big supporter of us and loves to get out there and hunt and fish and so we love him for his continued support of that but uh, what makes that antelope island tag special why is it worth five hundred thousand dollars because someone was willing to pay that sure yeah yeah you know i mean that's but part seriously, of seriously right? what about the unit like why so is antelope, that an area antelope island historically has had some of the biggest mule deer in the country okay um I would say that right now it's kind of in a lull. I mean, maybe not a lull, but it's not the best it's ever been. Okay. You know, um, there's still monsters there, but, um, and so, and that's a, it's a hard tag to get and it's a historical area and everyone wants to be able to say they've hunted Antelope Island. Like that's just Mm -hmm. a thing, right? Like guys wanted to say they, they hit the Amazon or the Seychelles. It's that caliber of, of an experience. And then, uh, the Arizona one, it goes big because there's only two, right? Like, and it's statewide, so it's not tied to a unit. Gotcha. That's why it's really unique. Um, but that tag came down between two guys, and uh, I have a picture I'll, I'll send over to you. And the guy who who won the tag with the founder of MDF, so the guy who founded our organization. Uh, 35 years ago who's a wee little man and the guy who wanted i'm not kidding you that dude must have been like seven foot tall (laughs) and um an older gentleman just like our founder and um to watch it go it came down between two two guys basically and it jumped out i mean it started at like 400 like out the gate there was 400 yeah like there was no warm-up it just went and there was a guy who's won it numerous times he's from arizona i don't i don't think he wanted to go much higher than what he had paid last year potentially you know i don't, I don't know but um yeah it, it we, once we got to about 600 615 it came down to two guys okay and they just kept going and kept going and you know you're sitting in this room and we have cameras everywhere guys running around and live feed in these giant projector screens and so their camera on the face of the guys that are in the bid war particularly when it falls down to just one or two guys and you could see the guy who won it uh the woman sitting next to him and a couple other people at his table kept going like this to him (laughs) (laughs) no more yeah they kept giving him the halt sign and he just kept rolling and uh but it was pretty clear when he when he hit that 725 it was it was over there was no no one was joining him at that point oh, wow. uh, $725,000 and that tag last year went for 500 <laughs> wow. so we had heard rumbles inflation that, yeah, <laughs> yeah we we had heard rumbles that at at sheep show uh the wild sheep foundation their big one which is another like lot in that room you know um there's a lot of money in that room mm-hmm. and we had heard their numbers went crazy and so people were telling us like i bet this year goes crazy too yeah. for you all yeah some t- similar people um and i couldn't tell you what caused that but both of us had historical years um and man it's it's crazy to watch and and then you know we had ned ledoux chris ledoux's son played that night and that was fun he covered some of his dad's tunes and um man people just had a good old time so what an event that's my first year at expo and super cool kid friendly you know veterans first responders get in for free kids under 12 get in for free um 12 to 18 it's only 10 bucks you know and so 
a lot of cool stuff happens there. You mentioned it was kind of a banner year for the Sheep Show as well, and I know this is your first year doing the Expo with MDF. Can you attribute that success to anything? Like, is there some sort of a paradigm shift happening in our country with conservation and the money people are spending on this or just the outdoors in general? Or is it too early still to really nail down why this was such a successful year for both of those events? I mean, yeah, I, I would be completely speculating at this point. I, I I don't have an academic or scientific answer to tell you, oh, this is what it is. I think a lot of it has to do, though, with the upper echelon of the economy. The, the, the one percenters have had a really good couple of years, right? And that money has to go somewhere. And... um and so they're spending it in conservation and and that's just outstanding. I mean, there's plenty of ways they could be putting money away and for them to show up and say, Hey, we want to back, back the land and we want to back the herds and we want to back the sheep. And, um, you know, I had a lot of conversations with guys who are, who are like me, who are equally as passionate about fishing, particularly fly fishing. And like, how do we create this in our space? How do we create a demand like this where, we can tap that type of money um, to protect freshwater, um, whether that's inland or coastal and or remote, you know, destination places. But that story isn't a story in fly fishing. Like there isn't one thing that we can go, oh, here's your opportunity. And we were talking about how like, oh, maybe it's a guide, you know, like there's a handful of key guides out there where if you could say you get a week on their boat, you're choosing that would probably go for a decent amount of money, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But other than and that, where is that? Is that like a tarpon trip, or what's kind of that pinnacle? Because you're looking in North America, right? We're, we're not yeah. trying to take somebody yeah. around the world for this. <laughs> no, no. What no. would the pinnacle of that look like for a fly fisher? I think, I think tarpon is probably pretty spot on. I mean, there's some of those tarpon guys out, permit. Yeah. I mean, I think you can include like La Paz and um, yeah. Yeah, some of the Mexican stuff. As yeah, well. some of the stuff down yeah. in Mexico. There's definitely lodges up in Alaska that are very, very remote and very, very yeah. high end that are very, very hard to get into. Okay. Um, much, yeah. You know, you're mm-hmm. talking fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a week type of situation, not mm-hmm. including your flyouts. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they're they're booked solid, and so those maybe would be some things. There are some historical people that are still here with us. You know, we lost some this year as well in the fishing industry. Um, the the lefty craze of the world are no longer with us. The Dave Whitlocks are no longer with us. Um, but the people who came up behind them, um, the Andy Mills, the, mm-hmm. you know, the Carter Andrews, um, the Billy Steve, Pate. the Billy Pate, the yeah. Steve Huffs, um, those guys are still around. And, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. you know, being able to, to jump on their boats, I think, would mean something to people mm-hmm. and when you get that big you know even guys like baron travis holman or you know travis unfortunately passed away um a couple years ago but you know bear who grew up here went to um graduated in uh from edmund and played football at tulsa you know he's he's one of the most sought out, sought after saltwater guys in the country and it's been a decade plus since he had a random open date on his book you know, and that's where it gets is you go out, you enjoy your time, and you're like, man, I want this guy next year. Mm-hmm. And you book that exact same week, 
the next year before you even go home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so rarely is there a time or an opportunity to get on these guys' boats Mm -hmm. um, unless you become friends with them or, you know, somewhat you're just lucky enough to get a phone call when someone doesn't show up. So Mm -hmm. I think that'd be a way that would be (laughs) rad. And those guys exist from Muskie to, you know – Yep. to steelhead I mean, steelhead to uh, northeast striper to mm-hmm. um the west coast striper yeah even. west coast striper what mm-hmm. what's the california bass starts with the sea the uh, coastal one golly it's like a rock bass but they call it something else and i'm spacing right now been a long i can't think of it right now yeah I probably will later yeah we brought we'll, you just you just blurt it out later yeah but no man I, you know that that is the unique opportunity that the hunting industry has is um for all of the downside of tags it creates scarcity and scarcity drives money right calico yep there it is there it is calico mm-hmm. bass thank you google yeah, yeah. hey come yeah. on yeah. thank you google yeah. Yeah. yeah listen folks he pulled his computer out all right he didn't just come up with this all right i wanted to be clear here i'm just glad it was something i could pronounce <laughs> reading off the cuff but yeah it, it, it was awesome um a really cool event super family friendly um and if that stuff is what you're into it was the largest floor it's ever been so five hundred thousand square feet of floor space and 500 and something vendors uh, from small mom and pop operations who make their year on showing up to expo to you know the loopholds and yetis and you know um mountain ops and all those kind of big time brands and um some key influencers were there with their big booths as well but just a wonderful experience Uh, you know at mdf we had a great opportunity to partner with a few new brands for the first time so we did a big kickoff event with black rifle coffee company and montana knife company and turtle box and eastman's and loophole and we had never done anything on that level with montana knife company black rifle coffee company eastman's or turtle box and that room was a lot different than any of our other events had been before so that that was super rad that's awesome well i want to get back into grayson's story here from the amazon before we do that let's hit our first break and then we'll jump right back into his story Uh, targeting all kinds of great species, but primarily the peacock bass on the Amazon after this. If you're one of the 20 million men in America struggling with ED, check out Park Ridge Medical Clinic. Don't just fight the symptoms of ED with a pill. You can now treat the root of the problem. Park Ridge Medical has a clinic here in Oklahoma City, and they use a state-of-the-art, clinically proven technology that's called acoustic wave therapy to actually repair blood vessels and regenerate blood flow to where you want it most. Call Parkridge Medical today at 405-839-7000. That's 405-839-7000. Welcome back to the Outdoor Hour, talking all things outdoors. Presented by Parkridge Medical on 1077 The Franchise. Welcome back inside the Outdoor Hour. I'm Taylor Maples, Josh Stratton, Grayson Bloom, and Todd Lizenby in studio this week. Last week, if you joined us, Grayson told part one of his Amazon uh, ordeal story. 
getting down to Manaus, catching a bush plane a couple hours to the north up into the Amazon area, deep, deep, deep into the jungle, um, and ultimately got to a really sweet lodge that we just barely were able to touch on. So, Grayson, why don't we start there this week for session number two? Um, what was the lodge like? Where were you? And, and take it wherever you want from there, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, first off, you know, you know, being sick uh, out there, you know, everybody's kind of scared. Of, you know, what have, what if something happens to you? This I told is, you this was like my worst night. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what made me think about it, that, you know, the outfitter requires you and it's behooves you greatly to purchase global rescue insurance. So it's like 160 Fact. bucks. You know, you just pay for that. Don't even blink an eye. Just pay for the 160 bucks. So you, you're, you get really injured. You're getting hella flighted out of there. You're going to get the care you need. So, so you're taken care of. You know? Okay. Um, but so the lodge, <clears throat> um, like I said, you, you, you fly in there, they greet you with some champagne. I think it was some hors d'oeuvres as well, get you oriented. Um, Jump off the bush plane and grab a flute of champagne. Yep, that's okay. it. Yep. And then um, you're greeted by, you know, the the house manager and some other staff. Um, they kind of take you through the main lodge where, like, you know, there's, like, a chill area. There's, like, ping pong tables. I think there's a pool table. Um, it's the, the main dining area and stuff. They kind of give you the run through on that what time breakfast is served, you know, where everything's going to be, how to pack your lunch to throw on the boat with you and take it, and when time, what time dinner is served and things like that. Um, so <clears throat> then you're off to your bungalow to kind of get squared away, and um, there's uh, several of these. Um, and to kind of explain one, um, it's kind of like a pretty good-sized little apartment, but it's just one big room. There's two beds in there, and I want to say both of them are king-size beds, so I got like a king-size bed to myself all week long, and it was, it was pretty plush and uh, clean linens every day. Um, there's a, a restroom in the back, um, which is not air-conditioned, that portion of the room, by the way, so it's always kind of jungle sweltery in there, <laughs> you know, when you're taking your showers or doing your business. Good old jungle sweltery. And then uh but the the other part, you know, where you're where you're sleeping and everything, there's like a little mini fridge. It's it's super nice, clean, been modernized. They had just uh uh redone the place and made some upgrades and um there's a mini split in there that that'll freeze you out, dude. It'll it'll straight freeze you out. So that's fantastic. And then uh there's no TV in there. Ain't nobody watching no TV in the Amazon. You're going fishing, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you're staying outside. Um, I kind of wish there was a TV in there when I was recovering from being sick. But <laughs> uh, internet, internet is sketchy there. It's um, you'll have it, and then you don't, and then you have it, and then you don't. And when everybody gets off of the boat at at, at 5 p.m., everybody's on the internet, you know, trying to talk to loved ones, upload their cool pictures and stuff like that. Through that thing, just crashes. <laughs> It, it cannot handle that. <laughs> cannot handle the uh, 14 phones going yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, all of you are trying to send pictures, uh -huh. like, you know, 20 megapixel pictures off your phones. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like, no, too much. I'm going to sleep. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> so that's the lodge. Um, it's a great experience. Oh, there's also a kind of like an infinity pool where like i was gonna say i saw some pics of your yeah. the, the pool that looked pretty stellar yeah the infinity pool you know kind of where like the ground is flush where the you know beginning of the entry of the pool and stuff and straight up to the amazon so you got piranhas it, swimming up to it it looks pretty close like <laughs> if you're in the pool and you look 
You look over, it looks like you're in the, yeah. in the river yeah. for sure. But uh, and there's Was like landscape a- uh, Grayson just like being real judgy? Like, mm, man, your plant decor is pretty subpar. It was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're doing good to just keep the place mowed. Okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, keep the airstrip taken care of and just keep the place mowed. But um, the, uh, where was I? Oh, so the pool. The pool also has like kind of like a swim up bar kind of area to it. And a little, little gazebo right there and stuff, which is really nice. I didn't partake in any of that. Um, uh, I always wanted to be in the best shape, and I just wasn't because I got sick and was kind of functioning even at like eighty percent. You know, even after I was had a few days of recovery, I never was quite myself down there. But um, there, there are some guys that partook in some some partying a couple nights in there, and there's this insect out there called a noceum. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> they get out there and take off their shirts and you know get in this water and have a couple drinks. About an hour later, they're going, I'm eating up, man. I'm getting out of the water, dude. <laughs> they are all whelped up. And I'm like, dude, that, that was that was a bad decision. And those whelps, they'll stay the whole week, and you'll just get more and yeah. more and more. I didn't get any bites. I, I had soaked all my clothing in permethrin beforehand. Uh, the guys were saying, oh, DEET, you know, DEET doesn't really work, you know, for these. And I was like, cool, I've got permethrin. So I looked at the label and did some Googling, and it and it does take care of no seams. So yeah. I didn't, and it stays on your clothes for you know six washes. Wow. Yeah, and you just saturate it, let your clothes dry. Have you used up. that for ticks? Yeah. Here. Yeah. Oh yeah. It works okay. great. Okay. And chiggers, yeah. ticks. Chiggers. I need a solution yep. for turkey season this year. There I it is. Miserable oh, last me, year. Don't give me thunder chickens. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost time. Yeah. <laughs> thunder chickens. <laughs> Um, let's see. So that there's the pool that finishes up the, uh, so your <clears throat> bungalow is like a glass. It's a giant piece of glass is the front door, you know, sliding glass door. So your view is really good. You get to like see Agua Boa, the walk, the river itself. It's, it's, it's beautiful. So you go out there <clears throat> walk straight East and down to the boat dock, the boat dock, um, uh, is capacity. I think it's like six, seven boats. Um, down there, there's like they're kind of like these little John boats, and they have like 25 horsepower engines on them. Except for Joseph, he's the lead guide, so he gets the 30 horsepower. Yeah, <laughs> his boat's quick. Yeah, he's got he's got to make moves, you That's know, right, in case man. anything yeah. goes down. And not only that, his beat, like to where his fishing zone is, is like two and a half hours. Yeah. Bro, you want to cover some water? Is that is that like the fire spot though? It was it's pretty fire. Yeah, and, and like the 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 drive out there, like you get into some more mountainous parts of the area, and you, there's like peaks, and they're like kind of you know cloud covered, and just, just so dense and humid. It's it's not even fog; it's just humidity stacked up. Really, you know what I mean? And uh, sounds pleasant. Oh yes, yeah. so, so, so <laughs> and it's a reasonable like seventy degrees. You know, it's, it's yeah. not like it's yeah. nine. No, really, what was the temperature? Yeah, right there? so temps when you when you get up, man, it's probably seventy two, seventy five, right okay. in there. Okay, um, but you're going to cap out when the time in which we were there in January. You, you kind of cap out about I don't know eighty five, eighty eight. So it's warm, but it's not miserable. No, it's not Oklahoma hot. <laughs> it's it's not oppressively hot. Yeah. It's um, not August in the Florida Keys, like just yeah. muggy. Yeah. yeah. You can't breathe. It's so thick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's not like that. But uh, um, it, you're so close to the equator, though, that sun hits you different. Sure. 
You know, you're 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 sticking out, you're jutting out on the planet Earth towards that sun. Mm-hmm. You're real close to that, and so that's really what messed with me more than anything. Because you know, I'm from Oklahoma, I hate heat, whatever. I'm a landscaper too. Come on, right? You know, yeah. But that sun, I mean, stay covered up. Yeah, just stay covered up. Yeah, stay covered up. Stay hydrated. Yep, that's it. That's it. Um, let's see, what else can we get into on this guy? Um, now let's get into some fishing. Yeah. Um, so I think we covered the first couple of days. We did. You'd gotten sick and had to take a day off. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously were able to kind of rally a little bit and get back in the boat. Yep. Yep. It, it, refresher at this point. What What were the biggest fish you had caught coming? coming back on the water after your sick day so after recovery i think i had i think i had an 11 or 12 pounder so your big guys really didn't come till after you got right back back on the water and you're talking peacock bass 11 12 pounds Mm -hmm. because we'd also talked about targeting some arapaima right arowana yep yep Mm -hmm. yeah so um first let's talk gear like you know what do you what do you want out there um intermediate line is going to be your standard out there um anything an inter- intermediate fly line is anything that sinks at a rate of like one and a half to two inches per second that's that's an intermediate line um i love the way they cast they feel fantastic um but we were there in a very high water situation so we were using kind of some sinking lines too we had to convert over to some sinking lines. were you running full sink or just sink tips uh, sync t- triple density stuff. Yeah, hover sync two, yep. sync four. Yep, yep, yep. Some of that Titan sonar stuff, but um, which is made by uh, SA, which you can pick up at JD Adams and Company anytime you'd like. You can indeed. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, the guys they 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 brought kind of you know a mismatch of gear. I mean, um, just a lot of different gear. So you you'd see seven weights out there, eights, nines, ten weight rods and stuff out there. I just brought um. Two eight weights and a five weight. Five weight just to kind of mess around with smaller species and just kind of have some fun. Um, <clears throat> uh, my reel is a. Let's see what did I have. I had a. I brought a behemoth out there, and then I brought uh, my Mirage LT out there on my eight weight. Um, everything, and my main rod was a Orvis Recon eight weight, and uh, it it just performed flawlessly. They're peacock bass. They will break rods. Um, you know, I don't know if it's mishandling, you know, by the angler. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Sometimes those things will just torque you and, you know, find a weak spot in the rod and it'll break. But so there was there, I think there was like three or four broken rods during the trip. Wow. Um, fortunately I did not break a rod. Um, I thought I was going to once. Not one of your own. Anyways. Yeah, you didn't break. You broke no, someone else's. I totally broke somebody else's, but <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to break yeah. one of my own. Let's there be was, clear uh, here. There was, um, <clears throat> I think this was like my 14-pounder. So uh, I was on an intermediate line, you know, fishing this 8-inch EP fiber fly and uh, chartreuse and white, just that thing right there. And um, <clears throat> throw it out there and strip, 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 strip. And you're stripping really fast on these guys, so... You, Every, everybody's strip is about, you know, from, from real to full extension right here. That's about a, you know, 24-inch stroke. So you're doing that, and you can probably get one and a half of those every second. You know, you're, 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 you're moving pretty quick. And um, <clears throat> so you're strip, 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 and then boom, big peacock, hit it and take it and go straight down. And it is a very close quarters battle, very, very close. 
So whenever that fish hits you, he's going to be stripping line out of your hand and, and, and everything like that. And But this guy that I thought was going to break my rod, I mismanaged my line for a split second, and that dude went straight into the jungle. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to lose this guy. Yeah. And so um, immediately I am, you know, my rod's kind of vertical-ish, but now, now I'm horizontal and I'm trying to get, pull him out of this stuff yeah. and strip him right out of there and just pull and yank. And, and I had never seen my rod bend that way. And, and you're not fighting them with the tip of your rod. You're, you're fighting them with this backbone. And I have even seen that bend quite a bit. And I was like, oh, this is getting sketchy. Dude. Yeah. You're in it. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. In it on the, on the, on these fish that just fight like a pissed off pickup truck. Um, that was, a, and it happened in a split second in a split second with my mismanagement of my line hand, that dude was gone. 80 feet and into the jungle. In a and and so when you say mismanagement of your fly line, as in like you lost it from your hand, and yep. so it got yep. what you had stripped in, it was able to take uh-huh. is what happened? Exactly. Okay. Yep, yep. So in between strips, I had misgrabbed the, yeah. the following strip. And you know, it sounds like a lever drag would have been great in that situation. Oh, Grayson. here we go. The Siegler. <laughs> the Siegler. It, it, it may have been. You know, and it's great for, I mean, that, that would have been great for leading because you're, you have to leader these fish, right? You know these these are big, strong fish, and like I said, it was earlier. I was you know, the handling of them. These things will tear you up. These are these are not largemouth. You know these are Amazon fish. They they they're. Super you want to tell strong. people what leadering means for those? Yeah, who probably... sure. So <clears throat> leader. So you're you're you stick your fish and you strip into them a few times. You make sure your hook set good. And you're even hitting them with a the rod a few times, and you you fight this fish and you get him in, and you're to the point where this fish is to the boat. <clears throat> he is close to you. You you let off your line. You know, no tension on your on your fly line or anything like that. So you're kind of just floating. You and you grab that leader, and from that point you're managing the fish with that leader, and you you raise up the fish or you know flip it, turn it, whatever you need to do to get that fish in the boat, get the fly out of them safely and stuff. And that's what leadering is. It's not like a, a situation in which you're just lifting that whole rod and fish over right. into the boat and setting it in your lap no you're, no you're you're handling it outside of the boat and in the water and that's called leadering yep yep and so what uh were you guys running 30 pound 20 pound yeah so i was running a 30 pound in the beginning and then i lost that big arapaima so you went to 40 i went to 40 Attaboy. and i stayed 40 yeah. straight one piece straight piece so we didn't what we mean by that is i didn't build a tapered leader um which we sometimes do when in baja i'll build you know, an eight-foot leader is four foot of 40 pound, four foot of 30 pound. It's just kind of what the guides like to run out there. And it gives you the opportunity, you know, I'm making assumptions because it wasn't on the trip, but high water means dirty water often, right? Yep, yep. And accurate. so you're more often blind casting. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to worry about a delicate presentation. No. And when you don't have to worry about delicate presentation, you don't have to worry about a tapered leader. Right. And it's just about what's what's going to give me enough rigidity and strength to fight the fish to the capabilities of my rod and reel mm-hmm. and drag system without having to worry about that being delicate. Um, as well as is that that is completely accurate. But to have that that more sturdy leader is also going to benefit you because you are blind casting so much. Uh, whenever the water is so high that you might get stuck in some junk, and you want to be able to pull that thing out of there. Yeah. Yep. Sure. We got to take another break. When we come back, more with Grayson Bloom and Tales from the Amazon. 
after this. If you're in the market for a new hunting hide, check out okiehides.com. They are made right here in Oklahoma City by Oklahomans. They are overthought, overbuilt. If you're looking to buy the last hunting hide that you'll ever need, pass it down for generations. These are the ones to check out. Okiehides.com. They're 26-gauge galvanized sheeting, magnetic blackout carbonide curtains. They've got the largest landing platform in the industry. Their ladders are basically sets of stairs with handrails on one or both sides. It's unbelievable the footprint of these things, the height. You can stand up. You've got shelves for all your gear, camera windows, bow windows, all of this kind of stuff. If you've never been in an Oki hide, you got to get down to their new location and see them for yourself. They will blow you away. Check out okihides.com to learn more. Back with Grayson Bloom inside the outdoor hour after this. Now back to the outdoor hour presented by Park Ridge Medical with your host Taylor Maples on 1077 the franchise and the franchise mobile app. Welcome back inside the Outdoor Hour final segment. Taylor Maples, Josh Stratton, Todd Lizenby, and Grayson Bloom is in the show with us this week telling some stories from his trip to the Amazon targeting peacock bass, among other things. He's got some other really cool stories about interactions with other species and wildlife to get to here in the final segment. But before we get to that, I want to talk about my friends over at Pedego Electric Bikes. We were talking about it before we even went on the show this uh, week. If you've never been on a Pedego, if you've never been on an e-bike, it's time to go try one. They're a lot of fun. Whether you're just trying to get back into shape, have you know some recreation now that the weather's starting to get a little bit better, or like me, you want to use it for bow hunting here in Oklahoma, you want to use it to get back in and find some ponds to catch some bass that maybe are harder to access on your property, check out the Pedego. I've been riding the Element this year as the model, and I love it. I put a suspension front fork on it. It's been so much fun to get out. Go see Lance at Pedego OKC. They're on MacArthur Boulevard on the west side of Lake Hefner. Go for a test ride. I promise it'll be the most fun you have all week. Pedigo OKC. All right, your favorite fish that you brought in on this trip, Grayson, is there one that kind of stands out to you? Yeah, there's there's probably two. Okay. Um, let's let's uh, go back to the, the boat ride that took two and a half hours to you know get from the lodge and into the jungle. So we take that boat ride and then we um enter this giant lagoon and uh this boat ride it's raining on us which is soaking wet and um it is the amazon it is the amazon so we we get to this lagoon and um <clears throat> this is one of my biggest fish also so um fishing a sinking line at this point and uh, that stuff's real thin and some of it's textured and it, and if it rubs across you it can burn you pretty good so i was uh we just got in this lagoon um get my fly ready uh, i'm start starting to take out line you know get out line in the water and stuff and i've probably got i don't know 30 feet out or so so i'm about to lift this line up and then double haul and, and launch my my first real cast whenever i go to pick that up it's heavy i was like oh and then i saw him and set into him and i i we had just got, and you always forget when you first start fishing. For me, I always forget to put on my stripping guards first. So I fought that fish without stripping guards for probably I don't know five minutes or so, 
and it just chewed up my fingers. This was a 15-pound peacock bass that just whooped my hands butt. I mean, just tore me up. I'm just now kind of healing from all these <laughs> areas where it just burnt me up. And uh, so it, it, those stripping guards, they are super important whenever you're fishing out there. And uh, that fish just beat me up, man. And that was so much fun. I was, learned a lot from that. Um, there's another fish, another 15-pounder. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I think this is the last day. This is on the last day. You know, I, I was never a hundred percent and, uh, we're, we're all starting to fatigue. You know, you're out there casting a thousand times a day with these heavy rods and lines and stuff. And it starts to wear on you. It was, it was pretty hot that day. <clears throat> I had developed a, uh, knot, pretty nasty knot in my fly line that was at my feet. It was only, it was about 40, 58 feet out, you know? So I was like, well, I still got, you know, 40, 50 feet of line to fish. I'm not going to mess with this yet. I'm just tired and I don't feel like it. I'm getting lazy. So I just keep fishing and keep fishing. And then boom, probably a 14, 15 pound, uh, uh, peacock hit it. And, uh, the guide's like, okay, you know, sit, you know strip, 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 set, 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 hit him with your rod and, you know, do everything right. And you're hooked up. Right. And he's like, okay, now give him mine. I was like, nope, <laughs> give him mine. I said, I can't, he's not going anywhere. We're doing this right here. And that's that was a really cool moment for me to uh, break a fish's soul <laughs> without <clears throat> giving him an inch because I didn't have a choice. I just didn't. And because if I did, that big knot would have came up through my hands and through those guides on on that rod and broke it, destroyed it, destroyed it. And like man. I, I wish that everyone on a fly rod, a lot of people start in trout, like they never get to experience that. Mm -hmm. And so they actually never learn what their rod can do. Yeah. Your like, leverage you can pull. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so they never push a rod to where it can actually go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was trying to explain this to the guys on the Venice trip afterwards. I said, you after a couple more of these, you'll realize that like you've been, you've been testing your rod like 10%. Right. And we get all nervous, we're going to lose it, we're going to lose it, and we end up fighting these fish for 45, 50, 55 minutes, where if you would have just used this tool that you had to the best of its ability, you could have landed that fish in 15 minutes, very mm -hmm. seriously. Easily, yeah. And and so it's super great to hear that you had, now your confidence with that rod and reel oh, yeah. just went through the roof, right? Through the roof. Through now the, the next time you know, like, oh, I can put the hammer down yeah. on this fish, and my rod's going to perform, and my line's going to perform, mm -hmm. and I'm going to get this fish in, and I'm on to the next one. And yep. and that, that taps into what is, like, a responsibility for us as anglers to take care of these. I mean, these fish are incredibly precious, not only to us, but to the guides, to the region. You know, I mean, these, these are cash cows for these guys yeah. out there. You know, these generate a lot of money. And they're a precious resource. They're gorgeous and everything like that. So it's our responsibility to land these fish as quickly as possible and return them to the water with the you know the least amount of lactic acid buildup and things like that, uh, less wear and tear on the fish. And so to the point where you know that that brings me to another point about this responsibility out there. There are freshwater dolphin out there. There are caiman out there, alligators that you know if you put a really really wore out fish in that water. It's gator meat. It's dead. It's done. Yeah. And and the guides know this. 
And they're such great protectors of the resource that so if, if a fight goes too long and we see evidence of those other alpha predators out, apex predators out there, we will take the boat straight, nose it up into the jungle and find a really sticky area and then release the fish in there so that we know a dolphin and alligator can't get in there and get it. Cool. Yeah. And just being such a good steward of the resources. Right. Yeah, and, and that's what good tarpon guides do. That's what great permit guides do. Mm-hmm. You know, the tarpon game has gotten to the point. The tarpon guides have gotten to the point where, you know, they're going to let you jump it a few times, and they're probably going to cut it off. Yeah. Like they're not using saltwater hooks, any, you know, stainless steel hooks. They're using stuff that's going to rust out yep. um, and fall out within 24 to 48 hours. And really, the really, really conservation-minded salt uh, tarpon guides i know like you you may bring one or two to the boat that day Mm -hmm. you may jump 15 right Mm -hmm. um but the goal is to protect the resource and um i love it when when you got a guide who understands that who allows you to respectfully enjoy the resource and and still create memories of a lifetime but He's going to ensure that you can do that for many more years to come, and and that's always super fun to see. Yep, do it responsibly. Grayson, here's what I've learned over the last couple of weeks is we could do an entire year's worth of content (laughs) just revolving around your experiences. (laughs) Probably right, yeah. And in fact, listeners should stay tuned because, you know, there may be something coming. Yeah. Just about. Maybe. Some of Grayson's and some other uh crazy anglers adventures uh we may have something specifically we may have something coming just for that yeah stay tuned on that grayson thanks for being with us again love to have you back again absolutely brother. in the near future all right we got to get out of here before we do i want to talk about jd adams and company you've heard their name a couple of times throughout the show this week as well as other weeks they are oklahoma city's fly shop it's where i go for my gear i know grayson we've crossed paths in there a number of times i was in there over the weekend and it was packed but everybody's having a good time steve and dan and everybody that's up there knows everybody by name they know where they're going you know they're literally giving you flies from their own personal collection they're calling their buddies to help you get the best insight to help you make good decisions and what gear to take on your trip and um, it's just such a cool community if you are interested in fly fishing if you're already an angler you got to get over to jd adams and company and join that community and go stop by and see your buddy josh there yeah oh go ahead yeah (laughs) yeah come check us out i mean it's a a motley crew for sure but um i'll probably be there too yeah he'll probably be (laughs) you'll probably see grace in there but man we we just love this community we love the opportunity that's been presented to us to to give a place for um passionate and and new people to fly angling to to have a home where they feel uh safe to ask what may be perceived as a dumb question but I've got sure, a lot of them. I'm sure they are. I assure you, they are not. Um, and our biggest desire is to put a variety of product on the wall, from entry point to to your your uh, rod of a lifetime, um, to help you just experience fishing in a way that you never have before, and and share the knowledge that we have with you. And um, you know, this is what we live to do. And and Oklahoma City has responded with open arms, and it's been really wonderful to watch. So. Get over to J.D. Adams and Company and do so immediately. Now through February 26th, they are giving away a -a once-in-a-lifetime fly fishing trip to Yellowstone National Park. All expenses paid. We're talking airfare, meals, lodging, licenses. Plus, you're going to get $1,000 of shop credit at J.D. Adams and Company. Yep. 
get over there and check it out. Come check it out. Do and it. We got uh, some sales going on and um, a bunch of new spring stuff rolling in here in the next couple of weeks. So um, if you're a Howler fan, you better get get to the shop because we got a Ooh, yeah. we got a pile of Howler brothers showing up it's and good looking stuff. And dude. it's it going to be fun. All right, we got to get out of here, guys. Thanks for being with us this week. If you've got a story to tell, a lesson you've learned, a trip you've taken that you want to just share about. Give us a shout. We'd love to have you on the show. Find us on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Outdoor underscore Hour. Follow us on TikTok there as well. You can connect with me on Twitter at T underscore Maples. Um, If you would like to inquire about advertising inside the Outdoor Hour, we would love to hear from you. Send me an email at taylor.m at tylermedia.com. That's going to do it for this week's show. Back to the Vegas Sports Information Network. If you're listening Wednesday night, Uh, we'll see you next time until then go boldly. We'll see you outdoors.